0: The Westwinds Breviary is our gift to you during the Shelter-in-Place Order Concerning COVID-19. We offer you hope and healing as lovers and followers of Jesus Christ, believing these short online liturgies will elevate your spirits and unify your homes. May God bless you richly as you endeavor to renew your mind and love your neighbor.
1: Good evening, Church.
0: Memory provides raw material for hope. Remember the Christ.
1: Thank you for joining us tonight on the Westwind Brevier. I'm going to read one of my favorite pieces of the Bible from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It is lengthy, but the language is so beautiful. So I invite you to read along with me. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years drawn near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are spent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they're afraid also of what is high And terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped. Or the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain. Or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. It's fair to say that the author of Ecclesiastes was feeling a little depressed as he wrote this amazing and beautiful piece of poetry. I would just The imagery is so rich, so, so powerful. This is somebody at the end of their life looking back on their life and feeling a total and complete sense of despair. There is a, an overwhelming, a, a crushing nihilism here that, to be honest, man, I resonate with this. Now, I'm not at the end of my life, God willing, um, but there's certainly times where you look back and you go, all these, these things that I enjoyed, what, what are they worth? What are they for? All, all these, these, these pleasures, these experiences, even, even these relationships, the, the beauty of nature, the, the, the remarkable charm of a, of a village life. Like what? So what? In the end, you lose it all. You lose it all. Now, there's wide scholarly opinion about who wrote Ecclesiastes. Some say it was a preacher, like in this translation from the English Standard Version. Um, some say it was a teacher, a teacher of righteousness, who was a, a, a figure in, in uh, Judaism from you know, the Qumran communities, um, like where maybe John the Baptist would, would have been. Um, some say it was King Solomon, and he was reflecting on the end of his life and the mistakes that he had made. And um, You know, really we don't know. What we know from Ecclesiastes itself is that this was somebody who enjoyed great wealth privilege and power and you know it's often been said that money can't buy you happiness Um, it's true I know very many wealthy people who are not happy they might be comfortable but they're not fulfilled so money can't make you happy money can however make you sad because you might realize with great means that you can't buy happiness but on the far side of that sadness money may also make you wise because you realize that happiness, satisfaction, and fulfillment don't come from what you get, but what you give. Now I think we see that in Ecclesiastes. I think this is somebody who's looking at all that they could enjoy, all that they were permitted to experience, and, and now it's, it's gone. Later, we're told that the ultimate end is to enjoy life, to enjoy what you eat, to enjoy your youth, to enjoy life. Because that's all there is. So the the person in Ecclesiastes is human, like really, really, really human, hopeful, but also despairing, full full of God's promise and enjoyment and love, and also totally brought low and totally debilitated. And I I think for us to, to make sense of this, I mean, apart from the fact that we go, well, great, here's somebody who's much more eloquent than me that also feels just like i feel i mean bad and sometimes sad and sometimes and also great in others um, but in order for us to really make sense of what this means for us we have to look at the first first phrase remember your creator remember meaning what meaning this is someone who looks back and goes you know i i just forgot while all these things were happening, you know, while, while things were producing fruit, while the grasshopper was healthy, while the town was in full swing, while I had lots of money, I just, I just forgot. I just forgot who God was. I just forgot to do what I was supposed to do. I forgot that life is meant to be lived with God, not in spite of God and not in opposition to God. And I just forgot. So you, you better remember. Well, the Hebrew word used here for remember is the word zakar. And we have a really similar word today. A word that's uh, gathered and garnered a lot of attention, Um, and the word is mindfulness. Be mindful of your Creator. Be mindful. How do we be mindful? Um, What is it like to embody the practice of of mindfulness? Um, Of course, there's a wide variety of opinions and and literature on this, but let me let me really simplify it for you. Um, It starts with with just breathing, just taking a deep breath. Holding it and letting it out. Creating spa, a, a pause, creating space in your day. Um, and there's a method of breathing that I like uh, called a 4 by 4 that I think is just really, really simple. Where you inhale for four counts. You hold it in for four counts. And then you exhale for four counts. And then you wait with empty lungs for four counts. And that's a, that's just such a change from the way I normally breathe. Because normally I'm not paying any attention to my breath. I'm just doing life, unless I got to run upstairs, and then I'm definitely not taking one breath every four seconds. I'm taking 40 breaths every half second, right? So just just creating space in your day, and in that space, then to to consider what it's like to be in relationship with the God of the universe. I mean, just just click a switch in your mind that, that aims you from the vertical or pardon me, the horizontal life to, to the vertical life and then as you continue to breathe and you continue to think about god you can notice what your body is feeling are you feeling tense are you are you sweating are you fidgety are you are you itchy and just sort of notice this and you don't have to judge them just just notice them and then again click the little switch and and then stop thinking about your body and, and lift your body up to god and this little practice of, of spiritual breathing can be accompanied by confession and infilling. Where you say, you know, we exhale your sins and you say, Lord, I, I give you all the garbage that's in my heart, my short-sightedness, my failure to remember. And then I, I welcome in your Holy Spirit to fill me up with new things and new life. And, and the reason we do this, again is so that we can enjoy the things that God has permitted us to enjoy with the presence of God. So that our life is lived with God, not lived, and then we remember God at the end when we're sad and depressed and, and need him. And in the midst of all our you know, s- sheltering in place stuff, there's a lot of things that might be sanctified, that might be ennobled, that might be better enjoyed, that might even be given to God as an offering if we bring God into them. I mean, you can sit in your living room and feel bored, or you can sit in your living room and remember your creator and all of a sudden see your living room with new eyes. Appreciate what you're seeing out the window with new eyes. Appreciate your family with new eyes. Appreciate the ability to journal, to articulate your thoughts, to reach out to the people you love because now God is in the place because you have welcomed him instead of just, you know, been bored. The power to transform moments Is a power not that you can control, but that you can welcome. Because it's God's own presence that turns boredom, depression, mortality, into sacraments.
0: There is power in his blood. We are healed by his wounds, pierced and pouring from his side. Washed me clean and gave new life. There's forgiveness in his hands, where he bore the nails for me, carried out the Father's plan, crushed for my. Thank you. Suffering, yet so a king, bore a crown of thorns for me as he make his very breath, as he cried, out oh, please forgive. As they bartered for his clothes, laughed and mocked him as he cried. He looked forward to the day when he'd hold me to his side and die. Cry, face you hear me Jesus, I am broken on my knees. What you give consistently makes me cry.
2: Author and thinker C.S. Lewis said that we were given physical bodies by God in part so that we could physically bring glory to God through the actions of our bodies. And it's this kind of thinking that uh, was part of the emergence of a specific spiritual practice known as bodily prayer. And bodily prayer just means that when you come to God, uh, when you reflect on things, when you bring requests to Him, uh, when you thank Him for things, or even when you, when you meditate on His goodness in your life, that you do that, um, paying attention to your posture uh, to how you're standing or how you're sitting. Uh, and, and throughout the history of the church, there have been a number of different postures that have been significant. Um, but maybe no posture has been more significant than kneeling. Uh, kneeling down is not something in our culture that we do very often. Uh, it's something very submissive. It's something that in, in brings to mind the idea um, of, of surrender, uh, of the fact that we are not in control of everything that is happening. Um, but it changes our awareness. Uh, just doing something different with your body can change how you focus on what you are experiencing in that moment. Uh, and so today, as we reflect on our baptism, um, I want to do it using this idea of bodily prayer, and I want to encourage you uh, to do the same thing. Because here's the reality for us. Our baptism represents the greatest thing that has ever happened to any single one of us and that is the fact that you have been rescued that apart from Jesus you had no way to have a relationship with God apart from Jesus there was hope that you didn't have access to Um, apart from Jesus death was the end of all of our stories but through him we have new life we have hope we have meaning and we have purpose and when we get into the waters of baptism. What we're saying is that we recognize that Jesus has done all of those things on our behalf. And so I want to encourage you again uh, to reflect on your baptism and to reflect on it um, using um, this bodily prayer idea. Uh, So it would look something like this. Just the process of kneeling down, something that we don't do every day, and then just taking a moment and reflecting. And and maybe you would do it in a prayer like this one. God, um, thank you. Thank you for everything that you have done for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for giving me a hope and a future. And without you, I, I can do nothing. Everything that I have comes from you. So my encouragement to you today is this. Try bodily prayer. Try kneeling down and spending a few minutes thanking God for what he's done for you, remembering that moment when you got in the water and told the world who Jesus was and how much he meant to you.
0: To remember God is to meditate daily on our frailty. Memento mori, my friends. And rejoice that we still live.
1: Grace and peace, everybody. May the spirit of our Lord fill you, bless you, encourage you, and strengthen you. In Jesus' name.